Think of a bubble bath, where each bubble represents an entire universe. Welcome to Steamcast, where STEM and the arts collide. I'm your host, Dan Kostelik, and together we're going to have conversations with the brightest lights and rising stars in the fields of science, technology, engineering, the arts, and math. Exploring the world that we live in, the science that makes it all possible, and the art that makes it interesting. This is episode 17, the second part of our ongoing conversation with research scientist Nathan McDonald, where we discuss statements and predictions of the future that were given to us in 2017 from physicist and futurist Dr. Michio Kaku. In this episode, we get into what exactly is the multiverse, can we visit other aspects of it, and then we take a tangential digression into the chronicles of Narnia, Star Wars, and Star Trek. But don't worry, it all comes back together. So let's move on to (laughs) question two. There are only, by the way, four questions um, that we asked in this very brief interview with Michio Kaku back in 2017. But um, the next one is we're going to ask him, what is the multiverse? A, why is it so important that we study it? And B, could you give a breakdown for people that don't understand it, what the multiverse is? Well, Einstein gives us a picture of the origin of the universe, that there was an explosion called the Big Bang. Mm -hmm. So think of a balloon. We live on the skin of this balloon, and this balloon is expanding very rapidly, and that's called the Big Bang Theory, Mm -hmm. now a CBS comedy series, right? (laughs) Right. The new wrinkle on all this is that we believe that there are other bubbles out there, Mm. not just one universe, but a multiverse of universes. Think of a bubble bath, where each bubble represents an entire universe. And then, of course, people ask the question, smarty pants, if you think you're so smart, tell me what happened before the Big Bang, Mm. before creation. Well, if you have a bubble bath and these two bubbles collide, they create a bigger bubble. Or a bubble will fission in half to create two smaller bubbles. That's the Big Bang. Mm -hmm. So the Big Bang is basically caused by bubbles either rupturing or by merging into a bigger bubble. This is what's coming out of cosmological data, our satellites. All the indications are that we live in a multiverse of universes. So who knows, maybe we're having this very same conversation, trillions of light years in another universe. So do you think it's possible to eventually explore another universe? Well, not with our technology. We are what is called a type zero civilization. We get our energy from oil and coal. A type one civilization can't even do that either. Hmm. A type one civilization is planetary. They control all planetary energy, like Buck Rogers or Flash Gordon. Hmm. Type two is Star Trek, that is, you have the power of a star and the neighboring star systems, the Federation of Planets with Captain Kirk and all. Type three is galactic. Now, by the time you are a galactic civilization, then you may have enough energy perhaps to leave our bubble and to venture into another parallel universe. Mm. But that's not for us. We're type zero. So the other voice that you heard in that clip was Jasmine Milner. Jasmine was our media intern in 2017. And I'd like to thank her again for taking part uh, for this podcast. You heard her earlier on our brief Debbie Barabashes episode. Now, what is the multiverse, (laughs) Nathan? It was bubbles, and like there's different bubbles forming, and sometimes the bubbles may interact with each yeah, other a little the, bit. Yeah, that's the general uh, theory. So he did a good job with the Big Bang. Everyone thinks of this big explosion, and it's not really 
it's an, it's not an explosion in the normal sense because space and time actually itself expanded and it so it's it's weird you really can't think of it this way but you can't you can't think of the universe expanding into something it's it's creating the thing that it's expanding into which is really really weird and, and wild and and we're still trying to figure out how that how that works um but yeah exactly as as, as you said you'd have a, a variety of of universes and so the question is well how do you test for that so the the start of this is some mathematical quirks and and that's it's always a, a fun thing and a hard thing in in uh, uh physics when it's all mathematics is there are things that just arrive because of quirks in mathematics and then there are things that arise because well they're actually there and, and when you do that kind of science it's very heavily mathematical and that there are there are things that come out simply because of mathematics so if you're solving uh like the the trajectory of a, of a uh, cannonball mm -hmm. you can get a negative trajectory okay it goes into the ground well obviously that it makes doesn't make sense physically but it makes sense physically well when you're doing uh, things on the cosmological or in the quantum physics scale it's not obvious which if any of these you can ignore because it's not physically realizable so the multiverse sure. is part of that we're, we're still trying to figure that out so the physical evidence that people often talk about is the great is the the cold spot in the cosmic background radiation and the cosmic background radiation is important because that was the first uh, real tangible physical evidence for the Big Bang. Up until that point, scientists were very big into the static universe model. That's why uh, Einstein had his universal constant. He wanted the, the universe to kind of be uh, static, stationary. But there were these scientists that said, well, if, uh, if the universe wasn't stationary, and we rewind time, then it would be, you know, you'd have this, uh, uh, it originally would be in one, you know, you know, one single spot, expand out. Well, how warm would it be, or it'd be, it'd be really hot when it first expanded, so hot that you couldn't have uh, electrons, protons, neutrons, they'd all still be nebulous and whatnot. The universe had to be expand to be big enough and cool enough so that atoms could actually form. And how cold would it have to be to, to be able to do this? And then you would expect it to be, if it was a Big Bang, uniform throughout the entire known universe. Okay. And so there's these scientists, uh, MIT, I think, uh, looking for new kinds of telescopes, and they discovered the static. And they spent all their time trying to figure out what was causing the static, even examining the radioactivity of pigeon poop on their, on their antennae. <laughs> uh, once they finally ruled that out, they, they still had this... this static noise in the background so they said to call up their physics buddies at uh, uh, one of at Princeton and he said hey there's this theory and this is what it says and lo and behold it's it, it matched uh, um, three three two K something like that uh, Calvin so anyway um, incredibly uniform uh, one part in a couple thousand um, uniformity um, you, there are some ripples that allowed galaxies to form so that was kind of cool that was uh, something that had to be discovered but going back to the multiverse, uh, there is this cold spot in in the middle of the the universe, or the the whole known universe, and it's uh, uh, off by like one in part eighteen thousand. So it's really anomalous. And so scientists are trying to figure out, well, why is it just a, a galactic void? Um, and then they were doing some analysis, and they don't they really don't like the galactic void uh, theory. So somebody proposed and said, well, what at, what if our universe bumped up against another universe. So the bubbles touched and that left a cold spot, if you will, on, I think that's the, that, I think, yeah, that's me moving in the chair. And so the bubbles touched and that left this cold spot. Now, 
it's a really out there theory, and scientists aren't convinced that two or two universes colliding would even leave a mark. So that's that's an area of, of research in and of itself. The only uh, the other thing to add is that while anomalous, it does it is possible for the great or for the cold spot to appear using the standard universe models, one to two percent probability. But we've only got one universe, so you know we can't we can't run the experiment multiple times. So in this cold spot, can things exist? Oh yeah, it's just a little colder than uh, than the back than than normal. Okay, now is that where taking this back into the world I understand science fiction and whatnot? Um, let's say the DC universe crisis on infinite Earths. How is it infinite because of a multiverse? Sure. All right. For those infinite Earths, is it colder? A little bit. <laughs> so, uh, so this is where it's extending my my understanding of the multiverse. Uh, okay, clearly I need to do more research on things. Um, is it, I don't know if it's required that the multiverse be all of our universes, or could it be another universe? I mean, completely completely separate. Okay. Now, on the concept of every action can theoretically spawn off its own reality. Yes. Every single action ever, and possibility ever, so beyond trillions to the trillionth degree of realities out there. So there is some version where we are possibly having this conversation, but not having this particular Mary Poppins or something. Yeah, um, not this particular little tangent on it where I mentioned the DC universe. How does that all work? And would you be able to measure it by cold spots? If like, oh, this was a divergent point, cold spot. Well, that's what scientists are trying to figure out is, is we, we've observed a cold spot. Now, what do we do with it? What does it mean anything like that? And <clears throat> how could you do an experiment on it? You can't send a probe out there or not anytime soon. So you're really, you're at this stage of the game, scientists are looking for does, what is the evidence for a multiverse? What are the, the, is, what kind of evidence would there be for a multiverse that would be physically measurable, demonstrable, and can we, can we see it? All right. Is it possible to do any of this research fully based on Earth? I mean, not, I mean, obviously the scientists are on Earth, but like to see if there's any of the, let's call them the cold spots, as you said, here on Earth. So, um... To see if, I would, like, that's a gateway or something. Okay. Not offhand. All right. I don't know. I do, uh, the, the last I heard with string theory, a little, little tangent, was that they were looking to see if gravity fell off as, as more or less than one over our squared, uh, the distance squared, um, for distances less than a millimeter. Okay. Because string theory, uh, last I looked, wanted like 11 dimensions. And so gravity could bleed between dimensions. So they okay. were looking at if we can measure it, Gravity doing something other than that at less than that, then that would be direct scientific evidence for multiple dimensions. Yeah, multiverse is hard because, in principle, you can't know about it unless you're there. Okay. So, yeah, you're kind of looking at indirect evidence. All right. We're going to pause for a moment and pay some bills. As you might know, the 4th Annual Project Fibonacci STEAM Leadership Conference is coming up from July 28th to August 3rd a week-long annual event for students entering 10th grade in high school through their junior year in college or university. Focusing on immersive, hands-on, interdisciplinary, team-based, and project-based learning in the STEAM fields, science, technology, engineering, the arts, and math, 
Project Fibonacci Steam Scholars receive access to lectures and workshops taught by some of the brightest luminaries of the day, who have included astrophysicist Dr. Brian Green, science communicator Alan Alda, astronauts Alan Bean, Chris Hadfield, and Jeanette Epps, entrepreneur Damon John, physicist Dr. Michio Kaku. And the 2019 speaker series includes aerospace engineers Robert Zubrin and Dr. April Erickson, mathematician and former NFL player John Urschel, and science communicator Science Bob Plugfelder. STEAM scholars go on exclusive tours of top facilities, which have included the Air Force Research Lab, the Munson Williams Proctor Art Institute, Worthington Industries Still Rolling Manufacturing, Fort Stanwix National Historic Site, SUNY Polytechnic's Nanotech Facility, and the Masonic Medical Research Institute. Students are encouraged to find the common math that underlies all of the disciplines to find common ground among them and to use arts and music to foster creativity in the sciences. For more information and to register, go to projectfibonacci.org. Scholarships are available. Sign up today. The next question that was part of that that we also listened to of can we visit the multiverse, I would argue that we're already visiting the multiverse because we're in our own pocket of it right now. Okay. We're in our own multiverse bubble. So our own universe mm -hmm. in the multiverse. But Mishiokaku says we can't go as a type zero or a type one civilization. Type two is Star Trek. Star Trek does visit the multiverse. They go to different universes. There's okay. the mirror universe. I mean, come on, people. <laughs> Where Spock has a goatee. That's right. The evil goatee. <laughs> yes, the evil goatees. <laughs> and, but Kirk didn't have one, so what's up with that? <laughs> and then the final type, uh, the galactic civilization. Yep where you're not harnessing just the power of a star, but an entire galaxy. And then you could have the energy resources needed to cross over and all that. But what about, and you're a fan of C.S. Lewis as well, what about Narnia? So, yeah, you Let's can't... just get some magic rings, man. <laughs> get the green and yellow rings. Exactly. No, it's, well, it's fun you mentioned the rings, because normally if you just mention rings, people think Lord of the Rings. But yeah, if you re read The Magician's Nephew, that's how they, they went across the, the multiverse. That's right. Uh, or, or a wardrobe. So clearly we need a, a magical wardrobe. Or through wardrobe a painting. And, a painting, that's of, right. a painting of, a, of a ship. Yep, yep. Um, oh, I forget how they got into Narnia in Silver Chair. Was Silver Chair through another door? Like um, like like a little... like garden door at school I think like that, that yeah because Jill and Eustace were, were trapped somewhere yeah Eustace by the way C.S. Lewis and I realize I'm arguing back 70 years ago but Eustace is a terrible name change <laughs> it make his name Claude or something other equally English I mean you have Edmund Edmund's a good name Lucy Lucy's adorable mm -hmm. Peter and Susan okay they're standard. bland standard Eustace Eustace C.S. Lewis? Well, Eustace was a jerk, so maybe that was the point. But he becomes fine. So he, uh, to quote and and Shirley, maybe we improve the names that were given. All right. I mean, Edmund was, I suppose you could say he was possibly based off of Edmund the Bastard in King Lear. But, in, and he becomes okay by the end of the yep, book. Yep, exactly. Oh, so oh, anyway, well, so anyway Nar Eustace is a terrible name. <laughs> Nar I, I'm uh, Narnia is, is slated as my next book. I, I just did Twenty Thousand Leagues. I'm in uh, Paradise Lost right now. So. Where do you start? Do you start with Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Do I'm going to do with, uh, written order. Magician's Chair. Uh, oh. Magician's Nephew. Uh, Magician's no, I'm ne I would do yeah. uh, uh, Publication Order. Okay, because that's how he did it. All right. So, but didn't he reorder it, or was that the estate? Um, actually, that I don't. You're know. on Narnia talk here <laughs> on Steam. I don't know. Chronologically, it's Magician's Nephew, Line the Witch in the Wardrobe, Prince Caspian, Don Treader, no, uh, Horse and His Boys, book three, 
uh, Dawn Treader, Silver Chair, and then Last Battle. But I think I know he he wrote them in a different order. Yeah, because he, he intended um, Don Treader to be the final book. Really, yeah, Don Treader. It well, ends. Goes off. Reepicheep goes into off the into the sunset. I mean, it. Oh, that's so sweet. And then he kept going. Yeah, I don't know what tipped his hand. Money, um, I'm guessing. I, the guy loved to write, so at some point, I, I just don't imagine him just you know. I gotta say, um, last battle. Parts of it are wonderful. Other mm-hmm. parts of it, not that good. Okay, it's been I, a while since I've read it. Yeah, it, it it's been it's 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 been a hot minute. But yeah, I remember not liking it. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Well, I'll well, let you whatever, know when whatever. I, when I get we'll, through. We'll come back to it at some point. So, uh, but uh, uh, I know we've had this conversation before. So that's kind of where, where the multiverse uh, uh, will deviate a little bit because uh, in *Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe* is a multiverse, but it's not every action that everyone could do. It's that there were multiple universes, and and we had this conversation before, but it's still chaired by Aslan, because Aslan is, is God in, in our universe, and then and then the lion in, in his universe. So there is, there's still a continuity. They're still okay. in the same environment, if you will. Um, even though the, even the rules operate differently, time dilation, everything's different. Yeah, uh, and they they do not make any sense of how much time passes on one side versus the other. They it's it's at the discretion of the author. He's allowed. He's allowed. Oh, I know. It's just there's no continuity to it, and it 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 always bugged me. <laughs> well, I think you were saying that it's a, it's a neat blend of science fiction and fantasy because he's got rules. Plays fast and loose with them oh, yeah, when he totally. wants, but so, so does a lot of sci-fi though. A lot of sci-fi plays fast and loose with it because it's because the sci-fi is only a medium to get to your story. Mm-hmm. But continue. He plays fast and loose with his rules. Yeah. Uh, mm, well, actually, that was kind of your talking point. Is you you went off on uh, a lot about how science fiction and uh, meets fantasy. So yeah, I was trying that, to set you up. This is an episode. Um, we're referring to an episode that you will never listen to because. We had um, a breakdown of equipment, so <laughs> we're talking about uh, an old conversation. But yeah, it, it's Star Wars and Star Trek. Star Wars is mm-hmm. fantasy dressed up as science fiction, space opera, space opera. Um, but it's fantasy because it's wizards. Yep. it's wizards and sword fights. And anytime they attempt to uh, explain something, uh, have the tech do the tech with the tech, we're going to science this. It doesn't make any sense. Midi-chlorians, no. uh, the Kessel Run, yeah. um, a- anything like that. It's always, it doesn't make any sense. But if you just simply say, where's my blaster? Or yeah. get in the ship when we're going uh, we're going to hyperspace. All right, that's fine. But I, I do like the Kessel Run explanation, though, because originally it was meant to be a stupid line. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Alec Guinness was, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi was supposed to give this look of incredulity. And if you watch it, he's got it, but it's not... Incredulous enough that the audience gets that that uh, Obi Wan's calling his bluff when he says the Kessel. Um, you've never heard of the Millennium Falcon, the ship that made the Kessel run in under twelve parsecs, and it's parsecs is a distance, not a time. Not a time. So fans loving the story said, "Well, how do we?" Because that's how do you stupid. make it make sense? How do you make it serious? And they said, "Well, it's quite close to a black, black hole. So the closer you get, you know, the uh, the riskier okay. it is." Okay. Okay. Is that what they did in Solo? Because I did not see Solo. Uh, yes. All right. Yes. Solo was fun, and then you, I forgot it by the time I got home. I, oh, you know, all right. It's so one of those. It's one of those. All right. So it's popcorn. I, I've I've mentioned this to a couple people before. 
There's a difference between a story and a story set in the story's environment. Mm -hmm. So there's a difference between Star Wars and a story set in the Star Wars universe. Yes. Star Wars is, is Star Wars. I mean, I uh, I know there's there's the saga. Yeah, the, and 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 I'm uh, Star Wars is a great set of movies. It's a shame they only made three. Um, <laughs> So, so I think Amazon or Netflix oh, oh, wants oh. to do a Lord of the Rings TV show. Amazon. Okay, I've got no hope for that because I'm not, I'm not just interested in the world. I care about Frodo and mm. Sam. Those are the, those are the things that people remember yeah. and and really have an influence. Nerds remember trivia, and and great because I can quote you, you know. Uh, uh, the Star Wars or the Garbage Masher from Star Wars Episode Four, Three, Two, Six, or Eight, Two, Seven. Okay, can do that. But what what really sticks with people <laughs> are the stories and the characters, and those are the things that really have an influence. Well, that um, on the and w- this is a huge divergence. But when you you hit the nail on the head when you said it's a story in Star Wars, it's not Star Wars. They knew that as well because mm-hmm. that's why. Rogue One was a Star Wars story. And yes. I, I think Solo was also a Star Wars story. Correct. And I think that's how they're going forward with any of the non-saga movies. Um, and when you're listening, to, or at least when we're recording this, yeah, you'll hear it before Christmas, um, it says every saga has an end. It's They're being quite explicit that this is wrapping up and making no secret at all, though, that there are making more Star Wars movies. There's the Star Wars TV show that's coming out for the Disney app uh, based on uh, the Mandalorians. Okay. Yeah, just called Mandalorian. Huh. And from what I understand, it's um, The Man With No Name. It's an old, They're doing a Western oh. in the Star Wars universe. Okay. Which is pretty... A pretty cool idea. It is interesting. Yeah. And if you do it right, it's great. Rogue One, I thought, was fantastic. I liked Rogue One. Rogue One was the dirty dozen. You knew, kind of going in, everyone is going to die. It's not going to end well. It's not going to end well, but you are going to have an amazing time getting there. It's like, you know how this ends. And then they gave you something you were not expecting. 90 seconds of the best Darth Vader uh, <laughs> amazingness that ever happened, and we're moving on. <laughs> but um, any other thoughts on the multiverse? <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm good. I'm All good. right, and, and so in in this universe, our universe, our pocket of the multiverse. Yeah. Is it possible that Star Wars and Star Trek can coexist peacefully? <laughs> you mean as as a as a fictional world as a, or you know can we do a crossover or uh, can the fans get along? Can the or? fans get along? I would hope so. <laughs> if it, you treat you know this is your hard science fiction. This is your space wizards and and you know uh, um, oh, Captain Picard can say use the force, Harry. You know <laughs> there and, you go. All right. That wraps up today's conversation on Steamcast. I'd like to thank once again Nathan McDonald for joining us all here today. The Mishiokaku series will wrap up in two weeks with a long discussion of the future of the mind. Next week is going to be a great story episode involving the student team who plays second in the Epics and IEEE Smart City of Steam Challenge. Steamcast is a production of the Project Fibonacci Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit educational organization whose mission is to introduce our youth to a culture of interdisciplinary STEAM learning 
teaching them to become creative, independent leaders of community resurgence. You can learn more by going to projectfibonacci.org. Steamcast was written, produced, and hosted by me, Dan Kostelik. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Kostelik. Technical support is by Andrew Berger. The music in the show is by The Live and Breathe from the album Reet. You can find it on iTunes or wherever you listen to music. Please subscribe and rate the show five stars on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And also follow us on Twitter and Facebook. On Facebook, we can be found at facebook.com slash Project Fibonacci. And on Twitter, we're at ProFibonacci. That's P-R-O-F-I-B-O-N-A-C-C-I. Thanks for listening. Keep moving forward. Full steam ahead.